Welcome back for another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. My name is Dallas Post, and I am your host. As you know, I believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so my purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought within personal finance, economics, and investing. You can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. Because of the market turmoil of the inverse volatility ETN blowing up last week, I felt it was really timely to be talking about what's been happening in the market and the big drop that's happened in the stock market, which hasn't happened for a while now, that it's been a long time since there was a rapid drop to the market, and we had one last week. So I thought it'd be good to talk about some of the investments that people should be uh, very careful about buying and overall look at the market. So I brought my friend George back onto the show who works on Wall Street and kind of has a, a little bit more of an inside look than the average person at what happens on a regular basis on Wall Street. So welcome back to the show, George. Thank you very much, Dallas, for having me. Glad to be back. Yeah. So what was your initial take just on what's been going on in the market and these very uh, rapid moves? 2017 was the least volatile year in ages. It was just so quiet. The market just kept going up. Great year for investments, especially the stock market. Now we're going into 2018 and you know we turned the corner on February and, and we've had this craziness. Yeah, it's an interesting time, certainly. On the one hand, 2017 has almost lulled investors into a, a false sense of security and people are investing on the basis of fear of missing out. I think people have been sort of waiting for something like this to happen for such a long time that it's almost as if people have forgotten what real market, let's say normal market volatility feels like. And when you're sitting on the sidelines watching the stock market go up half a percent every day, it seems, at some point you just have the temptation to pile in so that you don't miss out on the rest of the returns of the year. And I think a lot of people in the initial drops and be like, hey, this is my time to jump back in and and then got rather badly burnt by the subsequent 10% drop in stocks, not to mention the much greater volatility you've seen in certain segments of the stock market. But on the other hand, you know, if you have a little bit more of a long-term view and you've been investing for more than a few years, really this type of behavior should not be unexpected, at least in the broad stock market. And in the broad sort of investment universe, it's perfectly natural to have these corrections in the, the major stock indexes. And, you know, before 2017 and 2014 and 2013, it was almost, it was expected to have at least one 10 or 15 or 20% drop per year. But some of these extremely low volatility years that we've had since the financial crisis have kind of skewed many investors' sense of what is normal and what is to be expected. Not to mention the fact that a lot of people now working on Wall Street, including myself, really, haven't experienced a full-blown crisis. And indeed, many retail investors are, are likewise. They've only been investing for the past five or seven years and don't know what it's like to invest through a severe downturn. Whereas if you have a slightly longer-term perspective on how the markets behave over economic cycles, this type of volatile behavior should really be expected. I think that's a good point to make. 
having perspective and staying calm in the midst of little short-term moves is pretty important for investors. Having a short-term perspective, it's very easy to get freaked out by the littlest thing. But the longer-term perspective you start to have, the more you can be calm about situational events. And you had me thinking when you were saying about expecting moves or drops or random events, just thinking of the whole black swan concept and that there will be major events that are not on the radar, not predicted, and not really foreseen. But if you build that into your expectations, that there will be occasionally things that are very obscure, very unexpected, and you just kind of account for that. So you're expecting the unexpected. That can give you a lot more sense of calm in the markets and just investing in general. And it can also give you opportunity to look forward to in terms of waiting for opportunities to jump in for investments. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit ironic to think in this way, or at least counterintuitive to think in this way. But in these volatile times when, let's say, you're at least partially invested in the stock market, and you see a downturn in your investment portfolio, you see a you see a hit, you see some losses, you naturally, you instinctively want to get more defensive and maybe get more conservative and sell out. Whereas it's actually more likely to be the time to get more fully invested or put some capital to work. You know, good long-term opportunities tend to reveal themselves during times of volatility. Now, who's to say whether this volatility and this downturn is over? or whether it'll last another week or another month or a spiral into a more full-blown bear market. That's anyone's guess. But certainly now is a better time to invest than a month ago when stock markets were close to their all-time highs. However, it doesn't feel as easy to put money to work during this time because things are more volatile and uncertain and investors may have experienced losses. The other kind of funny thing about this particular downturn, and actually a lot of other downturns, is that there doesn't seem to have been any major news or major event that has caused this. It's more like a, I guess, a culmination of a few different factors, like people have experienced a lot of strong returns, and they may want to realize some of their gains. Everyone has been saying for a long time that stocks are either fully valued or overvalued, or valuations are stretched. You hear that that refrain very commonly among market commentators of all stripes. So people have been probably looking for an excuse to rotate out of stocks. And the VIX spike, I think, had a few specific causes that you wouldn't have normally thought of as events to make the VIX spike so well, much. Before we go Typically, into it, can we inform people on what happened or what's been happening? No, absolutely. I, yeah, it's probably a good idea to go into that in more depth. But just a kind of general comment, that event may have exacerbated the volatility in, in the rest of the markets as well. But yeah, back to this particular event. Right towards the close of trading in New York on the 5th of February, we saw the biggest percentage move in the VIX index over one trading day. And in fact, it was the biggest by at least a factor of two, you know, truly unprecedented move in the VIX index or the volatility index, I should say. And in the past, when the VIX has moved by a lot, it's usually because of some very large movements in the stock market, because the volatility index 
is supposed to track volatility in the equity markets. However, in this case, it seems like the movement in the VIX was sort of brought about by very idiosyncratic events within the volatility market itself. And that seems to have spurred equity volatility. So it's almost like the tail wagging the dog in this case, which is very unusual. And I would just even take it a step deeper to say that things are so correlated nowadays because I would blame it on basically hyper-diversification in that everyone has a piece of the pie in all these different corners of the market. And then when there comes to be a liquidity concern for whatever reason, then that starts to make things move all at the same time because money has to go from one place to another. And things that seem to have no intrinsic relationship start to have a relationship because of the money flow. Well, certainly it's well documented that in times of let's call it financial stress or panic, the correlation of many different types of financial assets tends to shoot towards one. So you saw, for instance, in the financial crisis that all financial assets were dropping together, except for maybe treasury bonds and maybe even gold. But all other, let's call them risk assets, dropped in tandem because in times of panic, people don't necessarily have the time or the inclination to deduce which investments are more or less risky and which prices are advantageous for which assets. They just want to get out of risky assets before other people start selling. And that panic and that rush makes all risk assets drop in tandem. And on the flip side, makes all safe haven assets like gold and treasury bonds rise in tandem. So you have all the correlations going to either plus or minus one. I think it's interesting to note that not only did volatility spike on Friday, February 5th, I don't know if you saw this, but cryptocurrencies actually started waning in mid-January, and then they really took a hit on that same day, on February 5th. And so cryptocurrencies had actually been falling a lot. I thought that was interesting to note. And then on top of that, interest rates had been rising, and the 10-year jumped to, I think it was 2.8%, mm -hmm. which is now, if you look at a 30-, 40-year chart, is now starting to break the downtrend on rates. So I think those things are worth noting also in the whole situation. Absolutely. And I, I don't think they're unrelated either. I've mentioned previously that you know a lot of retail investors have piled into this short volatility trade. And the nature of this trade is not dissimilar to investing in cryptocurrencies. You know, You can see very big gains in a short space of time, but you can also see equally rapid or even more rapid losses. So it's a very volatile trade. And quite frankly, I think a lot of the same people who have been investing in cryptocurrencies have also been playing in the short fall trade as well. I will um, and nominate myself as one of those people <laughs> who owned both cryptocurrency and short volatility and was much more rapidly burned on volatility than I have been on cryptocurrencies, <laughs> ironically so. <laughs> but it's sort of like the risk profile is fairly similar, meaning it's extremely high risk and there's a, a lot of potential upside, but there's also the expectation that you may lose everything in the back of your mind. And you know, I think anyone who's investing in cryptocurrencies or shortfall should have at least an inkling of an, an expectation in the back of their mind that yeah, these things might go to zero due to whatever unforeseen event it could be.
you know, you have to remember there's no company with cash flows backing the value of cryptocurrencies or indeed um, VIX futures. When you invest in an exchange-traded product that shorts VIX, it's not just that you're directly hold short positions in VIX futures, but you might have some other risks that are buried in the prospectus that you may not have realized that you've undertaken. And I think, you know, in particular, a lot of people got, if you like, doubly burnt by the fact that one of the biggest short vol, if not the biggest short vol retail product, actually unwound itself and got terminated. And this was written in the prospectus. And it was a known risk to a lot of people. But I think a lot of people invested in this product not knowing or not fully appreciating this characteristic of this investment, that it could go bust and unwind itself. And that, I think, has exacerbated losses. I'll just say on a personal level that I was aware of that risk and I thought I was getting in on the extreme end of that. Well, I don't think you should be necessarily faulted 100% for thinking that that it's such a low probability event for happening. And I think plenty of people discounted this probability of, of such an event because, like I said before, this VIX spike was more than twice in percentage terms, more than twice the second biggest VIX spike in history. And that second biggest VIX spike in history occurred in the run-up to the financial crisis, which was the biggest crisis in two generations or more. So, you know, a lot of VIX or volatility investors would have only expected such a huge move in the, the underlying VIX index if there was a cataclysmic event. So you might be forgiven for making that assumption. I think, though, however, it was interesting. I saw this analysis by Bloomberg about the top 10 volatility jumps in the history of the VIX index. And eight of the 10 biggest percentage moves have occurred since the introduction of the retail short vault product XIV in uh, late 2010. And I think that has something to do with the explanation for these large volatility spikes. It used to be the case that equity volatility drove the VIX index. The VIX wouldn't move higher unless equity volatility actually increased. Right. However, because in the past, since 2010, you've had an increase in the popularity of this trade and more and more investors, and in particular, more and more retail investors shorting VIX futures, there's been a buildup in the net short VIX position overall. And anytime volatility spikes, you have people running for the exits and you have short positions that need to be unwound very quickly. And this exacerbates moves in the volatility index. And what we saw last week was really a perfect storm. You had a very low starting point for the VIX. The VIX has been, you know, in 2017, it hit multi-year, if not all-time lows. And it, it just seemed to be creeping lower and lower by the day and by the week. And then you had what historically was quite a large jump in the volatility index from, let's say, 9 to 15 or 20. It was 15 on the 2nd, and it jumped to 45 midday on the 6th. Oh, man. It's still hard to fathom (laughs) when you uh, repeat those numbers just because it was such an unprecedented move. And I think intraday or after hours, it may have even scraped beyond 50 and up to 60. And those are levels we really haven't seen since the financial crisis. 
which highlights my disbelief about this this event. You know, in 2008, 2009, stocks were moving by five plus percent on a daily basis. And there were really, really wild swings in the stock market. But in the last week, we have seen a couple of down 4% days, but we're talking about only two in the past two years, and only a peak to trough of around 10%, which is really a quite a mild bout of stock market volatility, quite a mild correction in the history of the S&P index. So to kind of square that with the largest percentage spike in the volatility index is really quite, quite hard. But it just goes to show how popular and how crowded, indeed, the short volatility trade was, and actually continues to be. I also saw something in the news that one of the competing exchange-traded short vol products that goes by the ticker SVXY, it dropped from more than a billion in assets under management to, let's say, around 100 million. But in the past four or five days, it's received about three or 400 million in inflows. So people are piling back into this trade. And I suspect it's some of the same people who just got their fingers burned uh, <laughs> or more. So the trade, the popularity of the trade has maybe waned a little bit, but it's by no way gone. And I think some people may even view this huge spike in volatility as a, a great opportunity to short volatility and to get back into the trade at its very lows and hopefully ride back up. I guess time will tell whether they're being wise uh, prescient or, or very foolish. <laughs> Let's explain what the VIX is. Sure. In fact, this is probably a, a good place to start before we talk about VIX futures. But uh, the VIX, or the volatility index, is essentially a value of volatility derived from the S&P options market, so options on the S&P index. One of the key inputs into calculating the price of an option is the implied volatility or the volatility that the investor perceives over the life of the options contract. And you can think of this as the market expectation for future volatility. And the VIX index is derived from like an average of a few different implied volatilities of options on the S&P index. And I would also say that it's commonly known as the fear gauge. It's like what it's what people look to when they want to see like how afraid investors are in the market. Right. So one of, one of the creators of this index recently gave an interview and he described it as sort of like taking the temperature, taking the temperature of the market. It gives you a sense of the perception of risk aversion. It lets you know how hot you like. and spicy the market is. <laughs> hot, maybe not spicy. I, I don't know. But I think one thing that he meant by that was that absolute level might not necessarily matter as much as whether it is higher than before or lower than before. So if it's high, you know that there's a lot of fear or, or perception of risk in the market. And if it's low, you can deduce that investors are more complacent. Yeah, that's how I think of it. Just to reiterate what you've already been saying, although it's not like it goes up when the market goes down and it goes down when the market goes up, it kind of works like that. Because a lot of volatility comes from when things are going down. When things go up, they tend to go up in a much slower, orderly fashion. Whereas when things go down, people start to get freaked out and they sell quickly and things drop a lot faster than they go up. So a lot of times certainly, volatility I, will spike more when things are falling. Certainly. 
the VIX is very strongly negatively correlated with the S&P, definitely. And certainly what you say is correct, that uh, when the stock market is rising, it tends to rise in an orderly and gradual fashion. And when it's falling, it tends to fall rather quickly and in a less orderly fashion due to, I guess, people panicking and selling out of fear. It's also usually the case that equity market volatility drives the VIX index up or down. So when stocks are very volatile, the VIX should shoot up. And when stocks are very calm, the VIX should should fall and remain low. And that's, I think, the normal order of things. However, you know, I think in more recent times, because people are directly investing in the volatility market, and in particular, more and more retail investors have gotten into investing in the volatility market directly, the causality between stocks and the VIX can sometimes be reversed, meaning that if something happens in the volatility market, that can have a knock-on effect for stocks. And this did not, I don't think, used to be the case. It used to be the case that it used to be a one-way street, essentially. But I think because there are so many players in the volatility markets these days, certainly a panic or an unexpected event in the volatility market can have a knock-on effect for stocks and for other, other investments as well. It all comes back to liquidity and money flow, and that kind of relates to the diversification situation. But I think back to this very unusual, really unprecedented event in, in the volatility market. From what I read and from what I can gather, it seems like this event was precipitated by a big buildup in a very popular trade that didn't really exist in previous crises. It's only gained popularity in the last, say, five years. And the particular trade I'm referring to is shorting the volatility futures, shorting VIX futures. Essentially, how the trade works is that in normal times, in regular times, the futures curve for the VIX is upward sloping. It's referred to as in contango. And the slope of the curve tends to be rather steep in normal times. In contango means that the far out futures are more expensive than the near term futures. Exactly. And the kind of general cause of this is that even while things may be calm today in the stock market, so while volatility today may be low, and I'm not referring to the present time, but I'm referring to in general, or let's say sometime last year, if market volatility is low at present, people expect it to be higher at some point in the future. So and that is reflected in the higher price or the more expensive price of the futures further out on the curve, further out in maturity. Now, when you buy a future or go long a future out on the curve, and the curve is upward sloping, as the future comes closer to expiry, it'll what they call roll down the curve, or the price will decrease towards the level of the VIX index. So when you have an upward sloping curve, the price decays towards spot. Now, if this situation persists, if the upward slopedness of the curve persists, then someone who is perpetually long futures and who rolls their position over upon expiry will constantly lose money. It's almost like being short a bond. You have this negative yield working against you, negative carry, if you like, working against you. So it sort of stands to reason that if you go short this trade, i.e. 
go short the futures and constantly roll your short position, in most times, you will stand to gain. It's like being long a positive carry trade or long a very high-yielding bond. However, when this trade doesn't work is when the front end of the futures curve picks up. And that happens when stock market volatility picks up, or at least market perception of volatility picks up. And you know when that happens, the VIX index can move very rapidly, and it can move a great deal in percentage terms. If this happens, and you're, you're short these futures, you stand to suffer a very swift decline in your, in your investment. And essentially, every time the VIX spikes, this kind of situation, the trade essentially re- reverses itself. So there's still a lot I'd like to talk about concerning exchange-traded products in general, but let's go ahead and leave that for next week. Thanks, George, for shedding some light on the situation. It's a pleasure, Dallas. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. No problem. See you back next week and catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast. <laughs>